official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Amen. So, you have heard it said already, but this is the first Sunday of Advent, and so we're appropriately starting a series called, wait for it, Advent. <laughs> Bet y'all didn't see that coming. Now, Advent's a season where the church has traditionally engaged the narrative of God coming to the world as a human, as a vulnerable baby. It's also a season which the church has traditionally focused on the practice of waiting, which can take many different shapes and forms. Now, waiting is challenging for me. I imagine waiting is probably challenging for many of you as well. And uh, one of the main themes that we see in the Advent narrative, a theme I believe that we're invited into, into in our waiting, is that God reveals himself not only amongst the weak and the vulnerable, but God reveals himself in and through weakness. Now, before we explore that idea a little bit more, I want to provide you all a little bit more insight into my personality. Um, I have a tendency to engage the world around me with great enthusiasm, with great enthusiasm. Um, I'm very curious, and my wife will tell you this. She learned something about me, about my curiosity very early on in the first few years of our marriage in, during, actually, the Christmas season in that she would wrap gifts for me and I would just be so curious what those gifts were that I would find a way to figure out what they were and actually think that I, I was equipped by the Spirit with the spiritual gift of discernment to find out what those gifts were because she would wrap them and she, you know, caught on eventually that I was trying to figure it out. I wouldn't cheat. I wouldn't look for receipts or that sort of thing. That, wouldn't, that wasn't fun. I'd like to just guess and, and see if I was right. And she would hide things and oddly wrap them and that sort of thing. And I was still able to guess the gifts. And it just drove her crazy. Another way that I'm very curious is I love, I love to uh, listen to podcasts. And so I have a slide here of an example of how I listen to podcasts. I often listen to so many podcasts that I will often listen to them at 1.5 speed or two times speed so I can listen to more podcasts through the weeks. Or I love to read new books. And this is something that's very common with me is, is I'll be reading a book and I'll be about 75% of the way through and I'll get a new book. And I'll put that book down without finishing it. There's like two or three chapters left because I want to get to the next book and just start reading it. And so I'm kind of slightly ashamed of how many books I have with like three or four chapters that are not read. Anyone else? Okay, there's a few of you who are with me. Yes, it's, the, it, it's a sickness. Um, and you know this if you have ever traveled with me at all, but I am a very um, Hobbit-like in my consumption of food and drink. And so here I have the calendar of the Hobbit, Hobbit's day planner, right? And so they have 11, 11 Zs. And so if I'm exploring a new city, 
I not only have the coffee shop that I want to visit, but I have the 13 coffee shops that I want to visit, that I plan on visiting through the day, and then I have where I want first breakfast and second breakfast and 11sies and lunch and pre-dinner snacks and dinner, and then usually there's a, a later second, second dinner because I stay up a little bit later than hobbits. I don't go to bed as early as a hobbit, so I'm, I have an additional time for dinner after that as well. Now, there's an author, his name is Ian Cron. He actually leads uh, workshops and seminars around a, a particular personality typing system called the Enneagram. And he described the type of personality that I align with. Uh, this is how he described the type of personality that I would most resonate with uh, in the Enneagram, Enneagram typing system. He says, when the, this is the type of person that when the barn is burning down, they run to the store to get supplies for s'mores, Right? Just the, the ever optimist. There's like, just like a ton of enthusiasm. So um, most of this, I tell you this because it, not only because it's funny and charming in some ways, but I actually believe that a lot of our personalities, they can be a reflection of different pains and brokenness and weakness that we've experienced in our lives. And that a certain expression of our personalities can actually be formed by these pains. And so I'm going to use myself as an example. I won't use y'all as an example. Is that okay? Now, many of the core expressions of my personality are formed by a desire to avoid pain, brokenness, weakness, which means the desire for the next podcast, the next book, the next meal, the next class, whatever it might be, uh, can be a way of like avoiding the pain. Like you don't have to sit there long enough to feel it or experience it. And so if I'm on to the next thing, I don't have to sit with that long enough to experience it or feel it. And so hopefully you understand a little bit more why waiting is hard for me. I won't go too much deeper because I'm not paying y'all for therapy this morning. Um, <laughs> but so waiting's hard for me, but not just, not just the waiting. It's specifically engaging weakness brokenness, pain in waiting, um, brokenness in waiting. And so I'm guessing a lot of you also um, experience or struggle with engaging weakness in waiting as well, probably for different reasons than myself. Um, for one, we live in a culture of hurry. And it's funny that the church has traditionally used the practice of waiting and uh, waiting on God in the season of Advent, in a season in which we are fully immersed in our culture of hurry, right? The month of December. How many of you feel like it's just go, 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 and it's hard to catch your breath at times, right? Um, also, we spend a lot of our, our lives either avoiding weakness, so if you're like me, that's what you do, or um, a lot of us spend other uh, the other way that we have a, a struggle in engaging this idea of um, engaging weakness or brokenness or pain is we are actually paralyzed by it. We are paralyzed by the weakness. And so, um, so some of us, if you're like me, we don't sit and wait long enough in it to actually experience it. And others of us are drowning in our own, um, what we perceive to be as weakness or feelings of inadequacy or that we are undeserving of grace, or love, or peace. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about in either of those ways, right? And so whatever direction you lean in your struggle and engaging weakness in waiting, what if there's a better way? What if there's a better way? What if the Advent narrative and the practice of waiting provide a surprising alternative to the unhelpful patterns we fall into? Um, What if the Advent story, the Advent narrative, is a subversion to the stories that we allow to dictate our lives? Let me explain what I mean by that. A subversion, it's a subversion is a a subversion, a different story in the sense that there are different stories vying to shape us and form us in who we are, such as we need to avoid pain and weakness or our fate and identity are determined by our weaknesses, our failures, our pain, our brokenness. But I believe that Advent tells a different story, a subversion, a better story. Advent reveals a God who enters into weakness and inverts the typical ways we think about strength and power. Uh, John, in his gospel, uh, says it this way. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He's speaking of Jesus here. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, The way that John begins his Advent story is we see the God who created the universe, power, right? Take on flesh in Jesus' birth and incarnation. So the all-powerful God comes in weakness, is revealed in weakness. Now, a lot of us have heard scriptures like this, and familiarity breeds contempt, right? And so we miss often the shocking nature of this. Uh, A pastor and author in Queens, Rich Viotas, he says it this way, explaining the shocking paradox, the nature of Jesus's incarnation, Jesus's coming in flesh. Says this, and I think I have this on the screen for you as well. The defender of the weak becomes weak and defenseless. The one who covers all becomes naked and exposed. The one who cares for all becomes helpless and needing care. The one who holds it all together needs to be held tightly. This is the mystery of the incarnation. So in many ways, the story of Advent is a story of a God who is revealed in weakness. That, that's, that's how God has chosen to reveal his glory in weakness, and in vulnerability. It's a, par- it's a paradox in many ways. And so this is, a, this is a subversion of the narratives we are all familiar with, if I've ever heard one, right? Like, you don't enter into weakness. You avoid that as quickly as possible with first dinner, second dinner, elevensies, right? Or you don't show yourself in weakness. Like, that's not how you reveal yourself to people. You hide it. We don't use weakness as a tool of how we engage the world around us. In fact, 
Weakness, these are the narratives we're familiar with, right? Weakness becomes a reason not to engage the world around you. You're not fueled by it. You're paralyzed by weakness. But the Jesus narrative begins with God entering into weakness, not avoiding it. The story starts in weakness. Weakness is, in a sense, the clothes that God puts on in the incarnation. God's revealed in weakness. Uh, Paul uh, who is one of the, the authors, primary authors in the New Testament, writes this in his letter to Corinthian, uh, the Corinthians, his first letter. He says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. So God enters in weakness. And in this way, um, I, I believe this, that God actually inverts the power dynamics of the world. God's revealed in weakness and then this becomes to us as a church community, as a church community who's asking, what does it look like to follow Jesus? A gospel, a good news proclamation. So what are those proclamations? What are the proclamations we get, we can glean from, from learning about a God who enters in weakness, a God who comes in weakness? Well, there's, there's all sorts of gospel in this that God is the one who aligns with the weak, the marginalized, the oppressed, the poor. So in the kingdom of God, power dynamics, they're inverted. And God coming in weakness actually becomes a critique of all of the ways in which power has been used to oppress and marginalize others. And simultaneously, it becomes an announcement to the weak. It becomes an announcement to the marginalized, to the poor, to the oppressed. It becomes an announcement to them that God is with you. God is on your side. What else, do we, what else is proclaimed to us when, God, when we see God coming in weakness? God sees you in your pain. He sees you in your weakness. He sees you in your brokenness. And he doesn't leave you alone in it. That's good news, right? God is with you. God is on your side, even in weakness, in brokenness, in pain, right? God is with you. Also, we see that weakness is redefined through the God who is revealed in weakness. And so the resurrection of Jesus then becomes the ultimate redefinition of weakness because as we see in Jesus, he arrives in weakness. In many ways, he lives in weakness, without a home, without money, oftentimes with those closest to him turning their back on him. He dies in weakness. We see him uh, dying and hanging on the cross, uh, crucified as a criminal, but he is resurrected in power, and it becomes the ultimate redefining uh, of weakness. It's a story that redefines the weakness of humanity into one of redemption. So those are the ways in which this is a proclamation to us. But the fact that God comes in weakness is also an invitation to us as a church community. Now, um, I believe this. I believe that in order to be formed in the likeness of Jesus, to look more like Jesus as a church, which is the prayer, which is the hope, 
Um, we need not to run from our weaknesses or let our weaknesses paralyze, define us. Rather, we need to invite God into our weakness as individuals and also as a church family. We need to invite God into our weakness to empower us to, to live redemptively in our weakness, redemptively defining, redefining the weakness uh, that we experience in our own lives and also to, to redefine weakness in the lives of others. Now, this isn't a natural thing to do. I already shared some of the ways in which um, engaging this is uncomfortable for me, is, is not um, a natural thing for me to at least. And so if you're anything like me, this task, this invitation, can be incredibly difficult to embrace. But here's the thing. If we do, I believe that there's healing for us. There's healing for us as individuals. It will lead to healing as a community, and we can actually be used by God to bring healing to the world as his ambassadors, as those who are partnering with God in the healing and restoration of the world. Um, Paul wrote in his second letters to Corinthians these words, and he's talking, he's writing to the church in Corinth about the some particular struggles, weaknesses, pains, suffering in his own life. And this is his conclusion to the church in the midst of his suffering, not on the other side of it. This is his conclusion in the midst of it. And he has said to me, speaking of hearing from the Spirit of God, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. That word perfected in the Greek is actually like wholeness or a completion. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so you could say that Paul experienced tremendous weakness, pain, suffering, and yet he refused to hide from it, be paralyzed by it, but relentlessly pursued a life of loving others out of his weakness. Not in spite of it, not hiding from it, not covering it up and hoping and pretending that everything is going to be okay. He actually postured himself in a posture of weakness and used that as an opportunity to love others. And so, and in that, Paul experiences the power of God perfected in weakness and lived a life that found wholeness of God. And he, he opened his life to God, even in his own weaknesses, and becomes a model for us. Lived a life that wasn't paralyzed by weakness, but lived a life that became a catalyst for others to experience that same wholeness that he found in his own life. And so Advent then invites us to subvert weakness in our own lives rather than hiding from it and rather than being defined by it. We have the opportunity to, in our own lives, take our weakness to God as we open, our weak, open ourselves up, bring ourselves before God in all of our messy, broken selves, right? And we have the opportunity to invite God to redefine that weakness in our own 
lives, right? And so rather than letting weakness define us, when we bring our weaknesses to God, we provide the Spirit an opportunity to work redemptively through us in our weaknesses. Now, I said this is counterintuitive, um, which is why I believe that the practice of waiting can be a helpful tool in inviting God into our weakness and inviting God to shape us and form us in our weakness. And so we're going to actually engage the practice of waiting in a particular way this morning as a church community. It might be a little bit awkward. It might be a little bit uncomfortable. And silence and waiting can be awkward and uncomfortable. But they also provide us an opportunity to lean in to the Spirit of God and to hear from God ourselves. And so is that okay if we do that together um, as we wrap up this morning's teaching? And so um, I'm going to have the Corinthians verse uh, projected again on the screen as we do. And we're just going to take a few minutes and um, in silent prayer. And um, I'd encourage you to find a posture that's comfortable to you. Uh, I recommend feet planted firmly on the ground, but not tents, and uh, perhaps open palms, whatever is comfortable to you. If you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. I, can, I find that helpful often. If you do not want to close your eyes, that is fine as well. Whatever is most comfortable to you. Again, if this is uh, uncomfortable or awkward, and you're not doing it wrong, that's fine. Uh, silent prayer can be uncomfortable and awkward, but the practice of it um, can be life-giving. And so as we do, um, as we begin, let me just pray for us. God, as we wait in silence, give us the courage and strength we need to open our lives to you, our entire lives to you, even our weaknesses. And may we find that you are with us. Now, as we, as we continue the wait in silence, I, I want to provide you an opportunity to be specific in how you're opening your heart to God in weakness. And so as we remain in silent prayer, um, ask God to help you name a way or ways in which you're experiencing weakness. Ask God to... Uh, help you name it specifically, whether it's a failure or it's an area you feel ill-equipped or inadequate in, or maybe it's a feeling of unworthiness that you're undeserving of grace, of love, of peace. Maybe it's an anxiety or a fear. Ask God to help you 
name it. Now, as you hold that weakness, whatever it is, in your thoughts, and you hear whatever that is, um, I want you to also hear the words that God spoke to Paul in his own weakness and brokenness. My grace is sufficient for you. Hold those words specifically to that weakness. My grace is sufficient to you. and invite the band up. And as I do, we'll have an opportunity to praise and sing together this morning. But first, let's pray. God, we thank you that you, in your coming in weakness, proclaim to us that you are with us in our weakness, that you have not left us alone. And that as we hold our various weaknesses, pains, brokenness, fears, anxiety before you as we bring all of our hearts to you, not just the parts that look clean and neat. We thank you that the word that you speak to us is one of grace. Your grace is sufficient and your power is perfected in weakness. I ask that we as a community would be formed and defined by your love for us and that you Uh, in our weakness, are with us, are present with us, and it's there that we find you. So give us the courage, the boldness to continue to bring our hearts to you in this season. Help us to breathe deeply, to slow down, and to find you in the midst of the chaos, and to be a light for others in this season. Christ, be in us, not just in the neat parts, in the messy parts as well, we bring our hearts to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for-
for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.